at your signs, your wonders. They thought you had died, but you saved the world. A sign, power, divine authority. Expect a miracle, believe for a miracle, receive for a miracle. And be responsible to manage your miracle. Where miracles are, there certainly God is. Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, I want you to know everybody on this side is a little bit older than everybody on this side. So I just want to tell you that this message today I prepared really with you in mind. Okay? You're going to benefit. All right? But I had you guys in mind. Because today I want to talk about the return of Christ. You know, we need to live in the expectancy of his return. And while we go through life, what happens a lot of times is that we, we kind of get in this routine of business as usual, and we forget that Christ promised he was going to come back. When he ascended to the Father, the word was that came back, as he went, so he will return. As he went visibly, he will return visibly. And we're living in a very, very interesting time. I like to call it the time of the prophetic clock. If you think about a clock, there was a time at which prophecies were kind of slow in coming, it seemed, but all of a sudden, 1948 happened, Israel became a nation, and the clock began to tick. And all of a sudden, scriptures began to be fulfilled in our very presence. Some of you were alive in 1948. You remember that day. You can look back in history. Um, but that was a day when all of a sudden God began to unfold some things that we could literally see. Israel had not been a nation since 600 B.C. All of a sudden, 1948, it comes back to life after 2,000 years. That was a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 66. Then it also was prophesied that the language of the Hebrews would come back. It had been a dead language, not spoken, only in isolated circles. Then it was embraced as the national language of Israel, and again, another prophecy began to be fulfilled. And probably since 1948, I could catalog at least 15 prophecies that were fulfilled since 1948 till today because people say, well, doesn't that always happen? No, it does not always happen. We're living in a prophetic moment in history that is strategic, and if you pay attention and you get yourself lined up the right kind of way, you're going to be able to see some things, experience some things, be endued with power for this last day revival that I believe is coming on planet Earth. You get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of the ministry of Jesus Christ in the most strategic time in history. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3, the disciples were curious, just like you are. When's all this going to happen? The when of Scripture is always the hardest. When does this happen? What's the timing of this? Let me show you the question that they asked. They said, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign? Notice the definite article before the word sign. The sign of your coming and the end of the age. 
Now, when you begin to study Scripture, and we're going to unfold this for you, some of this will be new to you. Some of this you say, I don't understand that. Don't worry if you don't understand part of it. Get the gist of it. I'm going to give you a chart in a moment. Take out your phone. Take a picture of the chart. You can go back and read and study about some end-time things. But I want you to know the first call on your life is a call to follow Christ. Not follow the church, not follow religion, not follow Pastor Phil, not follow some personality. It's to follow Jesus Christ. And when you put that in the right place, when you put that as a priority of your life, you're going to see some great things happen. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, the Bible says, if anyone desires, you say, do you desire to come after Christ? Do you desire, it says, to, to follow Christ? You say, I want to be a Christ follower. If that desire is in your heart, Jesus said, okay, then this is what it's going to take if you're going to follow Christ. Notice what he says. Let him deny himself. In other words, if I'm going to say I'm going to be a Christ follower, there's some things in my life I can't do. It doesn't mean that God's a cosmic killjoy. What it really means is that he knows how to get the most out of us in terms of having experienced joy, power, and life. It says let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. The cross is a symbol of our, of our very walk with God. It is the Christ life. He gave his life for you and for me, and I have to say, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to follow after Jesus. I'm going to take up my cross daily and then follow me. So if you're going to be a Christ follower, you have to follow him. You don't follow trends. You don't follow religion. You don't follow the church. You follow Jesus Christ. I got news for you. When you get to heaven, there's not going to be a bunch of different rooms for different religions. There's not going to be a room for the Baptists and Presbyterians. We're all going to have one name on us, and the name is the blood of the Lamb of, the, of, of God who was slain before the foundation of the world for you and for me. That's going to be the name on us. You enter the kingdom by a narrow gate. I want you to think about this because it might sound like it's a great big opening, but it's a little gate that we go through, but it says there's a broad way that leads unto destruction. Let me give you that scripture. Luke, uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, it says enter. In other words, you're not born a Christian. You enter into the kingdom. It says enter, how? By the narrow gate. By the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it because the narrow gate is difficult. It's a narrow gate, and it's a difficult way at times. It's a, but it's the way that leads to life, and few there are that find it. In other words, more are going to find the broad road than are going to find the narrow road because they're going to look at the narrow road and go, you know what, I don't want that much restriction in my life. Now, I'm not talking about religious restriction. I'm not talking about do's and don'ts of religion. I'm saying Jesus said you're going to follow me or not follow me. You see, religion is kind of a broad road at times, isn't it? It doesn't matter what you believe, just believe something. Well, that is a lie because listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, get ready for the next part. And no one comes to the Father except by me. So there's only one way to the Father. That's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the only way, I'm the only truth, and I'm the only life. So he was very, very specific in what he said. So we have to reject superficial religion. What is superficial religion? It's just kind of going through the motions. I can't think of anything worse than going to church every week and going through the motions. That's boring. 
You know, when Paul came to Corinthians, he said, I didn't come to you with eloquent words of wisdom, but I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He said, I came to you, I want you to see, well, you've got to encounter God to really understand Christianity. You've got to have power to really understand Christianity. If you're going through the motions, that's boring. Follow after Jesus, that's exciting. And understand the urgency of the hour in which we live. We're living in a very strategic moment. I want to show you a chart here, and this is where you might want to grab your phone, take a picture. I'll walk you through it. You can look up the scriptures and get a little bit better gist for it. Sometimes when you kind of see things, it helps, right? And I decided to opt with the, uh, the chart versus me trying to draw it on the board. My penmanship isn't the best, if you haven't noticed. All right, so let's go back and look. You see where it says over here on the, on the far left side, it says church age? That's the age, that's the time we're living in right now. We're living in the time where the church is on earth doing the work of the kingdom. But you'll notice that that church age is going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end with an event called the rapture. Now, if you look in your Bibles, you won't find the word rapture. It's actually a, a, a verse that's used. If you want to just kind of add to that, that chart there, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and that's 13 through 17. But what it says that Christ will, will come, we will meet him in the air, and we will be taken up. And that word taken up is where they translate that word. They turn it into a Latin word. The catching away of the church is the word rapture. So what happens is Christians truly who know God, not church members, but you have really know Jesus, it says that they're going to be caught up and then is going to be a tribulation on the earth. And it's during this time that, uh, that the Antichrist will rule on earth and there will be terrible things happening on earth, but there will still be a, a resident of go, wait a minute, we missed out on that rapture, but now we believe. And they're going to be faithful people who are following the kingdom during the tribulation period, calling out the name of Christ, and they're going to suffer for their faith. At the end of that time, there will be a great battle called the Battle of Armageddon. Let's keep that chart up there. And uh, there'll be a battle at the end of uh, the tribulation period there called the Battle of Armageddon. And at the end of that, you notice where it says the appearing? That's the Christ return. That's the second coming. And that's Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. And it says that every eye is going to see him. It says that he's going to come in the air and he's going to bring his army with him, clothed in white linen. A few years ago, I had our little grandson out. He was about five at the time, and I took him to the bank with me. And we're walking in, and, I, and, and he said, look, Papa, the, the moon is white. And I said, you know what that means? And, of course, you know, he said, no, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? And I said, well, you see that sun over there? That's a picture of Christ. You see that moon over there? That's a picture of the church, the bride, clothed in white. And I said, it says in the Bible that when Christ comes back, that he's coming with his bride, the church, clothed in white linen. And he looked at me and goes, yeah, I get that. And so we walk inside, we go to the bank, and we walk back out, and he goes, look, Papa, there's the church, and there's Jesus. You see, God speaks to us through the simplest ways to remind us of his return and his coming again. Let me show you this, Matthew 24, verses 4 through 6. Take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed that no one deceives you. The word deceive there in the Greek language is a word that means to put a fish, put a worm on a hook, and trick the fish into biting. Do you realize there are people that are baiting hooks right now for you? 
and it looks so good, it looks so real, it looks so important, so meaningful, and yet once you're hooked, you're hooked, and it's almost impossible to get free. So it says, beware that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ and will deceive many, and you're going to hear about wars, you're going to hear about rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled. These things must come to pass but the end is not. So if you read that, that whole chapter 24, I'd encourage you to do it. It'll tell you about wars, rumors of wars. It'll talk to you about pestilence. It'll talk to you about earthquakes and all the famines all across the world. He said, when you see all that stuff, that's not the way I work. That's not telling you it's the end. It's only telling you that those are birth pangs, like getting ready to have a baby. But I want you to know I'm going to make everything clear for you, and we're going to see that in Scripture. We're going to show you some more things that are in that. So what's the real danger? The danger of deception. Danger of deception. Now, the name Elon Musk has kind of become a household name, hasn't it, because of the Tesla car. And, and he is a very bright individual, an amazing creator. In fact, years from here, from today, he'll probably be equated with, if he's not all right, of already of Edison and other great personalities in history. But you may not be aware of a new company he started, and the company is called uh, Neuroshift. Neuroshift is a new company, and Elon Musk really believes that mankind cannot survive. Okay, that we are going to just go extinct. He doesn't believe in God. He's an atheist, so he doesn't believe there's any future beyond today. So everything is about today. So what he's done with this new company, he is uh, working on a process whereby you can put a computer chip surgically implanted in your brain so that you can instantly access everything that you could, for example, from a device like a Google. So you wouldn't have to look it up on a device. You would just instantly think about that word, and all of a sudden your mind would be flooded with, let's say, 10 million possibilities of that particular phrase. Now, what's frightening about that, what's good about that is, wow, that would be great, wouldn't it? I don't even have to study for school. I mean, that's the kind of the bright side of it, right? But here's the negative of it. But also, remember, whatever they can put in and program, they can program as you go. So when they want to make an update on a Tesla car, you don't have to bring it in. They can, up, they can upload it from a computer, download it to you, and your car is fixed. So imagine that's happening in the human being. They also can track you everywhere you go, even better than your parents. So wherever you go, you know, now if I leave my phone at home, no, you know, you can't track me. But, but all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, the entire th- idea of privacy is completely gone from human race. That is the danger of deception in the area of technology. There's a second one, and I, I thought this was interesting because I read about it a few years ago, but I wanted to go back and kind of refresh it. So if you go to Google, and this is not, I'm not on any stock in Google. If you go to Google and you put in something, it'll say all, and if you go to the next one over, it'll say news. If you click on news, it'll give you articles that are currently written. It'll do chronologically, so you go like, oh, here's what's going on now. So that's where I go. So I put in there microchip in the hand, and all of a sudden, then I went over to news. I clicked on it, and I pulled up at least a dozen articles on the first page, two of which were Christian, which I ignored. I ignored it for a reason because I don't want to know what Christians are thinking about it. I want to know what people outside the faith are thinking about microchips in your hand. And so they were all reputable news agencies that were reporting on this. And so the one I selected uh, had this title. It was from USA Today. It said, you will get chipped eventually. 
you will get shipped eventually. So here's what the article said. Here's a quote. This would go beyond paying with your smartphone. Instead, chip customers would simply wave their hands in lieu of Apple Pay and other mobile payment systems. Now, you think, wouldn't that be convenient? I go into Bodie Leaf, I wave my hand, I get a coffee. I lost my phone. I lost my wallet. Doesn't matter. I just got a hand. If I got a hand, I'm in, I'm in good shape, right? It's really good to think about that from a convenience standpoint until you read Scripture. So let me take you to a Scripture. This is in Revelation chapter 13, verse 16, and here's what it says. Now remember, Revelation, the book of Revelation was written in 90 A.D., so let's just call it 2,000 years ago roughly. So 2,000 years ago, this is what God wrote about the, the coming Antichrist. It says, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or in their forehead that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name, which is 666. 2,000 years ago. How did he know that? Because God gave him revelation of what was going to happen in our future. In that period of the tribulation we looked up on the chart, it says that that's what's going to happen during that period, that nobody can buy or sell. You have to have the chip in the hand or in the forehead. There has to be another way because everything is going to be about control under this one world government that's in our world. And it also says anyone who receives the mark can never enter into the kingdom of God. They are forever barred from going into the kingdom. There is no repentance from receiving the mark. So we're living in exciting and very frightening days, except for we have a great promise, and the great promise is Jesus Christ, he's coming back again. Let's look at the return of Christ. Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 and 30, it says, immediately after the tribulation, okay, so the tribulation has happened, seven years on planet Earth. If you're a Christian, a true Christian, you've already been taken out of planet Earth, You're with the Lord now. You're not going through the tribulation. Some of you say, well, aren't there other views? Yes, if you want to go through the tribulation, go ahead. I'm getting out of here, all right? Now, here's what it says. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, here's what's interesting. Notice it says the sun, the moon, and the stars, right? Well, if you go back to the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, it says there in Genesis chapter 1 that God created on the fourth day, Genesis 1.14, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Here they are again. He said they were for days, they were for seasons, and they were for signs. God said, I will speak to you even from the littlest things you can imagine, and I will take the constellations, I will take the sun, the stars, and the moon, and I will declare my glory. Uh, Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the, and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Day in and day out, God is speaking if you're listening, if you're watching. It says, Then the sign, remember the sign? The sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So what do I do in the midst of all of that? I get ready. Can you say get ready? Get ready. In Matthew 24 and verse 44, it says, Be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. What that means is this. He could come back today. Are you ready? He'd come back tomorrow. Are you ready? You see, part of the reason that he does not give us the exact day is because he doesn't want us 
cramming for the final exam. Anybody know about that? I was an expert, by the way. Expert. Why study in advance and wait all that free time when you're in college? Okay, now. School's overrated, right? Parents, how do you like that? Advice to kids? Go on the five-year plan at college. It's much better, trust me. Forget the four-year thing. Just it's your parents' money. Go for it. Okay, now. <laughs> okay, let's get back here now. Be ready. How do I get ready? It says, be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Here's the first way to get ready. I'm going to give you four ways to get ready. Four ways to get ready. Here's the first one. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't say believe about him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means there comes a point in my life where I acknowledge my sin before God, that I am a sinner separated from God, and that I need to believe in the promises given in Scripture. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, I will be saved. It doesn't say I might be. It says I will be saved. That's the promise. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, follow Christ in believer's baptism. Now, baptism doesn't save you. It's not necessary for salvation, but it is a step of obedience. So next Sunday, we're going to have baptisms here. It's always a great experience when we do that, and we see people so happy and excited, and they're following after Christ. But why do we baptize? Because it's a picture of our commitment. Um, if I drew, um, this, is a, this is Pastor Drew here, Okay. And uh, let's just say I'm going to baptize Pastor Drew. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take uh, a body of water, and I'm going to put Pastor Drew in the water. And the goal is to get him out, right? Okay, why do we do that? Well, this is a picture. So when, we, when you're walking around, you assume that someone's walking around, they're alive, right? Okay. Unless it's a zombie apocalypse, you assume they're walking around their life. Okay, so now they're walking around. You lay them down the water. That's a picture of death. When you bring them up out of the water, it's a picture of resurrection. So the Bible says that we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead, so we walk in newness of life. So when you see someone baptized, it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it portrays it out. You say, well, I was sprinkled. That's great. But that's not what the Bible, how the Bible baptized anybody, okay? Believers' baptism, you have to be a believer. Everyone in the Bible, including Jesus, was baptized by immersion. They came up because everybody looked and goes, wow, that's what the gospel is. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Third thing I want to tell you to do to be ready is to live your life by God's design, God's plan for your life. So God has a plan for your life. Let me show you. It's really, really simple. Because people, especially if you're in high school or college, are going, I don't know what God's will for my life is. I can tell you right now, it's going to be really simple. Every one of you, I, I know God's plan for your life. Does that feel good? Here it is. Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, but what about what I want to do? Well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to be a lawyer. Then go be a lawyer, but as a lawyer, love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. Well, I, but I want to teach school. Okay, love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. When you're walking in Christ's love and you're giving Christ's love, you're Christ-like in all you do, God says you've got some talents, some gifts, some aptitudes in certain areas. Do those and use them for the kingdom because we need people scattered in every industry, in every part of society. 
We want people permeating their workplace, their schools with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I call it Jehovah Sneaky. You get God into your situation, people say, here's a great one. You can use this next week. I don't know what I'm going to do. It looks like the world's falling apart. You know, you're right, it is. It's totally falling apart. I know it is. I mean, it's coming to an end, and it's just going to be a disaster. And they look at you like, you know, big eyes. They didn't expect it. They just kind of want a gentle nod. And you go, no, it really is. But you know what? I got some answers. Let me tell you about it. I don't have to fear. I don't get my, I don't get my confidence from what news is reporting. I don't get my confidence from any politician. I don't care what tag they have on them. That's not where my hope is. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is in God, and I follow after God. So all of a sudden I get bad news. Stock market goes down. I go, yeah, give me another yawn, right? That's the way it is, but God is not like that. And if you put your confidence in God, you're always going to thrive. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, but you're going to thrive. You're going to go, you know, it's not a great day right now economically, not a great day in terms of what's happening in our society, but let me tell you something. My faith is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and I'm going to stand on him. I'm going to stand on the rock regardless what happens in my life. And then the fourth thing is make a public commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Let me show you how you do that. You do that out in school. You do that out in work. You do it wherever you go. When people say, hey, what are you doing? You don't say, well, yeah, I go to church. No, you say, no, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. There's a difference. Devil goes to church every once in a while. You know that it says that the devil shudders because he has enough understanding in God. He shudders at the idea of God. You know, the, the devil knows the Bible better than you. But he doesn't, he's not a believer. He's not a follower. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as a follower of him, and you say, I'm committed to you, guess what God does? He protects you all along the journey. Does that make it always easy? No. But what it does is gives you strength on the inside, the power of God on the inside to prevail through all the difficulties and challenges you're going to have in life. And that's what Christianity is. It's Christ in you, living his life in you and through you, so the power and the explanation of your life is not you, but it's, it's Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's stand together. I want to pray with you. I want to ask you a question before we pray. Jesus said, be ready. How many of you say, I want to be ready? Just raise your hand. I want to be ready for his return. If he returns right now, just raise your hand. I want to be ready. I want to be ready for his return. Okay, there's four things we told you. Do you know him? Do you really know Christ? Are you follow, have you followed him in believer's baptism? You know, have the third thing, have you, have, are you living your life by God's design and plan for your life, and are you willing to make a public commitment of your life for Jesus Christ? Okay. Okay. In this room, there's, t- there's two different groups of people. There's one group of people who say, I really do know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's one person. That's one group. The second group of people are those who say, He's not, or I'm not sure. So here's what I want to do. I want to say to you in the first group, you say, I really do know I'm a Christian. I really know I've been born again. Maybe it happened over this weekend with, this, with the camp, or it happened some other time in your life, but you really know that you're a Christian. So here's what I want you to do. Are you ready for his return? That is, are you living your life by God's design? Have you followed him in believer's baptism? Are you making a public commitment of your life wherever you go? Are you testifying of Jesus? If not, Make a commitment right now. God, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to go. That's what I want to do in my life.
I want that to be characteristic of my life. Go back to that first love. Go back to that time when the Spirit of God so warmed your heart, you said, I'll do anything for Jesus. Go back to that. Second group, some of you say, I definitely know I'm not a Christian. You can become a Christian today. Right after this service, just one of the individuals that, you know, put my arm around a doctor, cardiologist, weeping, and he prayed and received Christ right after the service. You know, and I told him he wiped the tears away, and I said, today's your birthday. You got a birthday. You got two birthdays. You got the first time you're, you're born physically. Now you got the born-again birthday. Isn't that exciting? And so the first group says, I, 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 don't, I don't think I am uh, or I don't know I am. And then the second group says, I know I'm not for sure. But what I want to do is I want to give both of you, today I want you to be able to leave here going, I know for certain that I've been born again. And I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you where you stand or sit. You can just pray this prayer just out loud. And there are going to be words I'm going to help you with, but it's your faith, not my faith. It's your faith. If you believe what you're praying out loud, then God will hear those prayers. He'll bring you into the kingdom. So let's just bow our heads and just repeat after me this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He rose from the dead according to the scripture to give me eternal life. I believe unto salvation I receive Christ as my Lord, as my Savior. Come into my heart, Holy Spirit, seal me as a child of God. If that was your prayer, just in your own words right now where you stand or sit, would you just thank Him for saving your soul?